I would just tell them not to give up, just to keep going and to to release those expectations because I think that is something that hinders so many people is that expectation of, oh, I have to create this beautiful piece of art today. You don't have to create a beautiful piece of art today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Art Journey Podcast. I'm Brad Wheeland. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with multimedia artist Ruth Kumler. I spoke with Ruth in her spacious studio just south of Fort Wayne, Indiana. I've known Ruth for some time, and I've watched her work progress over the years. She's great with people, and her love for her work, her love for her art, really shows through. Something that Ruth does quite effectively in her workshops is to help beginning artists overcome their fears and their trepidation about moving forward. She encourages them to just start working and to not worry about how good the art is. Once people understand this and can move forward, they become capable of some really fine work. Ruth is quite prolific and she creates a lot of art. My first question to her today was about that. It seems like you're very prolific. It seems like you don't really struggle with finding the motivation or finding the incentive to do your work. Do you? Or is that just second nature to you? I think I did years ago. But you have to remember that for 10 years, I worked full time and tried to find time to do art. And now I'm able to do art every day. And I just feel like I can't get enough of it. Um, I, I don't have any problem with motivation these days. And I never did, really. But I just trying to find the time was so difficult that I so appreciate the time that I have now. And you never, uh, you never really get tired of it? Never. No matter how much work you've done, no matter how how stacked up your work has been. No. You're always excited about the next one. I am. Yeah. Every now and then, I mean, I have to be honest, every now and then I will not be as prolific as I've been and I'll have, I'll struggle for a couple of days. So I take a couple of days off, go for walks and kind of leave the studio and not spend much time there. And then I'm ready to get back in. You know, I've always heard because I really struggle with that. I, I, I have a lot of interests and, and I'm attracted to shiny things and I'll see something in, on, online, some tutorial that I really want to watch or some artist showing their technique. And I can spend a whole day just following those shiny objects, um, which helps educate me, but it doesn't help me get the work done. Right. And I've always heard that there is no substitute for learning how to be an artist greater than doing the work. Doing it. Mm-hmm. Just doing it and doing it over and over and just mm-hmm. keep doing it. And every time you do that, you learn. So I paint abstract, of course. And what I do is... I just, I have days where I just splash paint and that's what I call it. 
I call it splashing paint. And if I'm, if I'm not feeling a purpose, many times I can just start painting on a board. And those are some of the best paintings I've ever done, to be honest, because I have no expectations. And I think sometimes if you have an expectation of sitting down today and finishing a painting, it puts so much pressure on you. And so if I have a day where I only splash paint and don't actually finish anything, it's okay. I don't feel that pressure to do that. Another day I may take those same panels that I worked on and I could finish four of them in the same day because that's the mode I'm in that day. So Ruth does work. I think you describe yourself as a multimedia artist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So tell us the types of art that you primarily work on. I started in 2010, I started weaving and in the beginning I wove colorful baskets. It started to become more sculptural um, things and I did that exclusively for four years. In 2014, I started encaustic. I went to San Antonio and learned um, how to do encaustic and have really, truly enjoyed that. It really is a passion. I just love everything about it, the luminosity, the, the carving, the scraping back and adding more. It's, it's wonderful. But it also takes time for wax to heat up, wax to cool off, and maybe you only have a couple hours in a day that you just really want to make art. So in 2018, I started painting with acrylics because I could sit down and work on a painting for a couple hours, an hour, and then walk away from it easily. And I've really enjoyed that as well. So those are the three mediums that I play with right now. One thing that I re- that I really react to in the encaustic work is is the hand of it. it. It's like you want to touch it. There's, I mean, acrylic acrylic paintings. I unless they're really heavily textured or something, I don't necessarily have an impulse to want to touch it. But with encaustics, I do. I mean, the the sheen and the texture and the gloss of it—it's just <laughs> almost irresistible. You want to you want to touch it and, and sense that. Do people touch your work sometimes? They do. And so sometimes people come to my studio, but other times I may be working at um, the gallery. I'm part of Orchard Gallery, and people will come in when I'm working. And many times they'll say, you know, which art is yours? What do you do? And I'll explain encaustic and they'll want to see a couple pieces because they don't even realize that there are some, there is something there that is different from the other paintings. And then they always put their hand up there and say, can I touch it? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you can touch it. It's okay. So, um, and then they can walk around the gallery and, um, pick out, pick out once they see it and understand it, they can, they know exactly which ones are encaustic. It's very different. So people, for people who don't know much about encaustic work, can you describe a little bit what the material is and how you do it? Encaustic has actually been around for a couple thousand years, and it's kind of um, re-emerging. But it is beeswax mixed with Demar resin, which is a hardening agent, kind of like a tree sap. And I heat the wax in tins on a hot plate like a pancake griddle. And it's heated to 180 degrees, which causes it to melt. 
So you can use a clear medium, they call it medium, or pigmented, which are the colors. You can create your own colors or you can um, buy them already colored, which is what I do. I buy pigmented wax. So you heat them and then you just put them in layers and layers. But every time you put a layer of anything on an encaustic painting, you need to fuse it, which is using a heat gun or a torch to actually fuse it to the layer underneath of it. And you do that with each layer so that it's very archival. It'll last forever. Whereas with acrylics, it's a pretty direct application, right? You right. open a tube or you mix right. the color that you want. Mm-hmm. It's water soluble. Mm-hmm. So the cleanup, everything's pretty simple as opposed to right. several processes that have to come together for encaustic. Right. Because you might put, there are some, there are some encaustic paintings that I've done that may have 20 layers on them. And it's because you keep adding and adding and taking back and taking back and and scraping with a razor blade or whatever you use. And you're creating this history. So it, it kind of tells a story and you can see, you know, something that is seven layers down in some of your scrapings and it just becomes something that's so interesting. It just kind of pulls you in and you want to look at it closer. So with the weaving, it seems like that would be very time it would seem like that would be a timely process where if you look at your work, which is beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Um, it, to call them baskets is really not the, the right way be, to, to name them because they're more like sculptures, really. But they look like they would take forever. Do they? or um, Some take more time than others. But I approach weaving like I do my paintings. I really don't have a plan usually when I start this thing. It's, um, I kind of go with what it's telling me. I mean, if, if the reed wants to redirect itself to the right, I let it and I go with it and um, let it be what it wants to be. So there's some serendipity to it, just like there is with the other work that you do where you kind of follow I hear artists frequently talk about letting the painting speak to them. And that's always sounds a little too metaphysical for me, (laughs) but I kind of know what they mean. It's like you start out with something and then something happens, which changes the way you do it. And that's the way the baskets are too. They are. And you know, that, that is so true though, Brad, there have been times when I have started a painting and it really had no direction. And next thing you know, it's done. And I have a tear in my eye because I'm so in love with it, but I can't, don't laugh, but I, I actually can't tell you how I got there. It's like, yeah. I got into this, this space and just kind of went with what was, what I was feeling in my heart. And it created something fabulous that I had no intention of. And it was, it's the best feeling ever to just let it happen. When that happens, when you can step back and look at a piece that you've completed and you're moved by it, you actually love it. Are you ever surprised by that? Like, let me tell you what I mean. So I come from a commercial photography background and my work over my career was always um, um, detailed, very detailed, very structured, Everything mattered, like 
sharpness and density and exposure. It was all, it was all pretty, pretty technical in some ways. And what I wanted when I started painting was the opposite of that. I just, I, I wanted to try to create work that wasn't technical and where I could just relax and create something kind of free flow almost. So when I come up, maybe because I'm so new at this still, when I come up with something that I can look at and feel like that's actually kind of good, it always surprises me a little. Because like you said, I didn't really intend to do that, but it worked out. And that's especially true, I guess, with um, certain types of art. Like I'm fascinated by printmaking and sometimes people say, well, why, why get into printmaking? Why not just paint the thing? But there's always that serendipity when you pull the print. It never, the two prints are never the same. There's always some little flaw or some little texture or something that changes when you pull the print. And there's always that serendipity. I think maybe that's what you're referring to with the idea that you start one place and kind of end up somewhere else. And don't know how you got there. And don't know how you got right. there. Right. I wonder if that serendipity is something that is really exciting to most artists. Well, I, I feel sure that it is. It's, it's, also, it's a really, it's an awesome thing. I think so. And it's also something that the viewer can really never know. Because they weren't there. They didn't know your your plan or your direction. They don't know that you ended up somewhere different than where you started. Right. But it is wonderful when when you're looking at your art with someone and they're expressing that they're feeling things that you know you felt when you were making it it's it's really an incredible thing yeah are there parts of what you do that are quite difficult um I don't think so. I try not to make things difficult. I try to make them easy and fun. So I, I can't actually say that there is, I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy the actual making of the art. I enjoy the marketing of the art. I, I love people. Um, no, I can't actually say there's anything that's difficult. Yeah, I've seen I've seen you work in uh, at least one small workshop at the Orchard Gallery, um, and you have a really your your style of teaching is really interesting. I think it's it's just I'm not an encaustic artist, but I was fascinated by watching you work and explain the process. Um, speaking of Orchard Gallery, uh, it's a co-op in Fort Wayne. Indiana and Ruth is one of the co-op members or associates or whatever they're called. And we can include a link to that gallery in the show notes. And of course, we'll also have uh, links to Ruth's website and her social media. Um, is there something that you hope uh, you, is, is there, is it too much to think that because of your work, that the, that is it too grand of a hope that you hope the world is maybe a little bit better for what you do? Don't we all hope that? I guess so. I mean, I, I love it when when 
clients send me pictures of my art in their space and tell me how much they're enjoying it and and how much they love it and that that's not my purpose my purpose is to express myself through my art but to know that someone else is enjoying what I did is um yeah it's it's a wonderful thing it's probably almost the ultimate for an artist I guess it is yeah the fact that you might make a living at it or earn money from it is, of course, a good thing. But I know a lot of artists who who don't make a full-time income from their work who have that same satisfaction when someone appreciates their work and mm-hmm. maybe even buys it, you know. So if you were to have some words of encouragement to artists who are earlier on in their career or they're just getting started, maybe they lack confidence. Um, what, what would you tell them to encourage them? I would just tell them not to give up, just to keep going and to, to release those expectations because I think that is something that hinders so many people is that expectation of, oh, I have to create this beautiful piece of art today. You don't have to create a beautiful piece of art today. And, you know, I teach encaustic workshops in my studio and... They make three pieces of art during the day. And the first one, I tell them that, you know, you're just, you're just trying techniques. Don't expect it to be a masterpiece. And many times those are the ones that are because they don't have those expectations and they're just playing. And that's okay. It's okay to just play. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah. And maybe, like you've said, the results will be better than what they expected. Maybe even surprising. Well, I really appreciate the time, Ruth. And uh, your, your work is inspiring. And uh, I appreciate the time that, that you've spent with us. And uh, maybe we'll speak again. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I really appreciate it. And I hope we do. Well, thanks a lot, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Brad. Well, thanks for joining us today. You can learn more about Ruth and see examples of her work on our show notes page at artjourneypodcast.com slash Ruth. From Ruth's page... You can subscribe to our podcasts on your favorite podcast player and subscribe so that you can be notified whenever we publish new content. I really appreciate your interest. Thanks. Thanks.